Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome into Brewcast for Amazing Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Luke Yardy here, joined by Trevor Woods, and we're here with you on Monday night, November 14th, as we head into Tuesday, November 15th. And just like that, there's only two weeks of the regular season left on Michigan's schedule after a nice beating of Nebraska on Saturday, which we're going to dive into here a little bit on the show this week and probably take a look at little look ahead to Illinois coming to the big house this Saturday. So, Trevor, what's going on, man? How you doing here this week? Hey, I'm I'm great. Michigan's 10-0. I get to cover one of the best teams in the nation. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, exactly, man. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny, and we'll get into this obviously a little bit, but, you know, people watching uh, the game against Nebraska, you know, if you're following live on Twitter, and a, a lot of it, you know, I understand in the moment, it, it's kind of understandable, you know, Michigan had some certain ebbs and flows in that Nebraska game, but you, you go back and you just take a look at, like, what people were saying during the Michigan game, and if you if you had no idea what the score was or anything like that, you would have thought Michigan was in an absolute battle with the Cornhuskers, and then you check the final score, and it was a 31-point victory. Yeah, exactly. Throughout the culmination of a game, no team is really going to fire all cylinders, all 60 minutes. There's going to be ebbs and flows, but the bottom line is Michigan's pretty elite points per drive, scoring offense. Does it always have to be these big, huge plays? No, Blake Horan proved that in this one. He had 28 carries, 162 yards, one touchdown. His longest run on the day was just 12 yards, but as a very – the word would be workmanlike performance from Corum and really his physicality stood out to me in this one. But my point is, is it was 
like I said a few times on the podcast this year, Michigan's offense is definitely death by a thousand cuts. They wear the opposition down by the time the third quarter rolls around the offensive line. Their players are not getting winded in the opposing defense. They have their hands on their shoulders. So does it have to be the most exciting? Well, it just depends what gets you there. Whatever gets you to 10-0, and 0, whatever continues to have undefeated streak going, might as well roll with it. So definitely Jim Harbaugh not making any apologies for it. And he said today there's an old adage that you don't stop doing what can't be stopped and force the team, the opposing team to stop you. So that's kind of what I would say to some fans who are clamoring for more explosive plays from J.J. McCarthy down the field. And we'll get into that. We'll get into the mission's passing game. But it's like if it's working on the ground, if you continue to turn out first down, you continue to turn out scoring drives well, then might as well keep going on the ground. And then that's where Harbaugh comes in and says, George Patton would be proud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's a, that's the thing, right? Um, I'm looking at the advanced box score uh, from Bill Connolly. And the thing that stands out to me, Trevor, is that 57.4% of Michigan's runs went for five-plus yards in this game against Nebraska. Like, I mean, they were trying some different things. They were trying to throw the football. Like you said, we'll talk about it here. But if almost 60% of your runs are going to result in five-plus yards, there there really is no reason at all to go away from that. Yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of just how you look at some boxers or you look at some UFC fighters, whether it's Floyd Mayweather, whether it's George St. Pierre, one of the best middleweights of all time in UFC, that even some fans of boxing and uh, mixed martial arts, which always gets correlated to football, right? A battle, fight. But certain guys, they are totally content in going to decision, continuing to play, play it safe. I suppose you would say go to their bread and butter, what works, don't overexert yourself and make a mistake on either side of the ball. So that's kind of what I see Michigan's offense as is these five yard plays. Just take it, man, because a lot of teams, a lot of fan bases can only wish they could have that type of output and could only wish that they continue to have as many wins as Michigan does in a season. Their first 10 and 0 start since 2006. Uh, and, and to your point, let's just take a look at Nebraska here, right? And, and you know, they're, they're trying to get some things going. Uh, and I understand they, they came in with a backup quarterback. He ends up getting hurt. They have to go to their, their third stringer. But Nebraska just wasn't really able to do much all game. I mean, 146 total yards, three yards per play, a 25% success rate. Like, I mean, are you kidding me? If they if they could go back to, you know, running the, uh, running the triple option under Tom Osborne, they would love to have some success like Michigan's having just on the ground. And not everyone's going to be Ohio State or USC with their type of offense, but uh, Michigan's offense is, you know, just one of those kind of systems that they're going to break you through throughout the game. And I think they're better at it now. Like, it, it gets a bad rap, and I understand it. If they lost to Ohio State last year, uh, we'd still be talking about it because you think back to, like, 2018, right? And that was their thing. Uh, it was the body blow, you know, kind of mantra. They leaned on you with the run game, uh, and, and then they wore you down in the second half, and that's where they pulled away. But this team, you know, it, it's not necessarily doing that. Well, well, it is doing that, but they're also having success while they're giving you the body blows, right? 
They're not just picking up a, a couple of first downs here and there. Maybe go down, kick a field goal, score the uh, you know touchdown every every once in a while, put up some points in the first half, and then in the second half really pull away. Like you said, the the points per drive metric ha- has been fantastic here this year for Michigan. You know, while they are giving you body blows, they're putting points up on the board, and then they've got a, a defensive unit that is one of the top in the country, you know, uh, whichever metric you look at, uh, they're, they're top five in the country that they turn to, and, and you, over the course of a game, it's going to be really hard to keep up with them. Yeah, Michigan's defense, they rank first in scoring defense. They rank first in rushing defense. They rank first in total defense. I mean, they've given up the fewest amount of first downs for a defense. And also, Just, they're, they're number three in SP+, plus, which I think for me is is the, you know, kind of the, uh, uh, is a predictive metric and I think kind of the holy grail of uh, college football advanced statistics. To be number three in that category in SP+, plus, man, that, that means they're legit. And that's, that's opponent-adjusted, right? Like, that's what everyone talks about. Oh, who have they played? This is opponent-adjusted. They're number three uh, in SP+, plus defensively. Yeah, and it's just very good complimentary football all around what the defense has been able to do. And part of why they've been able to do what they're doing is you could thank Michigan's offense. You can thank their fifth-ranked scoring offense, which definitely changes the opponent's offense and what they're doing makes them become a little more predictable when they're playing catch-up. And then the Michigan can start sending their pass rush home. They can start believing, okay, you know, these this is a passing down. So – and Michigan's been able to stop the run, number one rushing defense. But the time of possession for the Wolverines on offense has certainly played a part. And that's what football is, complimentary football. And you look at even punter Brad Robbins, the best net punt uh, yardage in the nation. So Michigan special teams, they're, they're part of the operations too that has helped the defense, helped the offense. So this is something you love to see. This is why Michigan's in the top four and has a good shot to beat the Buckeyes on the road in a couple weeks. But even the passing offense of the Wolverines, J.J. McCarthy certainly needs to hit more deep balls down the field and, mm-hmm. and all that, and the receivers have a say in that as well. But McCarthy's still in the top 20 of passing efficiency. He has the best yards per attempt on play action this year. So it, even, you know, you boil it down to all the levels of Michigan's offense, from offensive line to the running backs to quarterback, pretty good offense too. So for as many things as one can nitpick and say they need to get better at, and there are certainly some things, even the defense, they gave up a few runs to the quarterback early on before he got hurt. Can I allow that to happen just with C.J. Stroud in a couple weeks, right? So there's always going to be things to clean up, but there's more things you could say, hey, they're doing a good job. Yeah, man, and I do think there is some uh, valid concerns within the passing offense, and it's not uh, just the fact, you know, it, it, I, I don't know what the, the fixes are here, but I think, number one to me, it's not necessarily just the the missing on the deep throws or, or anything like that because those are generally, you know, somewhat correctable. Uh, you make a couple different adjustments. Um, you know, the, the one to Andrell Anthony, uh, that was overthrown. There's no question about it. That was a bad throw on J.J. McCarthy, but the very next play, I thought he threw a really good ball to Cornelius Johnson and I think CJ just completely misplayed it I think he had a real good chance to run underneath it instead he tried to jump and adjust his body 
midair, and it kind of just went through his hands a, a little bit. Um, that's just one. You, you make the easy correction. You just run uh, run under it for an uh, over-the-shoulder catch, and you probably get a little yard after catch after that as well. So those are some simple adjustments in, in those cases. But what I'm worried about is seemingly the, the receiver's inability – uh, to to get separation, and I think that 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 is something that is deeper, harder to correct because you have your route concepts at, at this point in the season, um, and, and what guys are good at, and Michigan's just not getting a lot of separation on straight dropbacks. Now uh, they've had success obviously w- within play action pass, and I think that's going to be Michigan's bread and butter, particularly like you mentioned in in a couple of weeks in Columbus. But I think even this week, right, because Illinois, what they're known for, and they've got a pretty good defense um, in, in Champaign, but they play excellent cover one football, man to man. They're going to man you up, and they're not going to allow a lot of separation. So I think Michigan's, if they're going to have success through the air here this Saturday, is going to have to lead on the play action a little bit. And I think that's their bread and butter. You know, they seem to be a little bit inefficient uh, when throwing to receivers in particular uh, on straight dropbacks. And I just don't think, I, I feel like it's too late in the game to get that corrected now. Yeah, you, you'd assume so. It, it seems like it's something that, um, I'm not going to blame coaching necessarily here, but the point needs to be driven home and driven home quickly. Some of the routes are a little off kilter. If you, you track them, they're not, they're, they're deviating from the intended path beyond that. Some of the receivers and some of these deep balls, you're seeing them not have separation. And instead of trying to get to that next level of acceleration, they're too busy jockeying for position, trying to box the cornerback out they're getting a little handsy instead of just trying to shimmy an elbow and just get up field get to that football so there's certain elements of that to some of these multiple receivers games whether it's andrew anthony cornelius johnson ronnie bell roman wilson uh all four off the top of my head i can think of specific plays where there's no reason for you to be doing hand fighting just use your god-gifted ability and your god-given speed and try to get to that football. So some of that have made McCarthy's passes look worse than what they really are. And there have certainly been drops too. And there were, I believe around four last game, there were a few the week before that. So drops have been a problem. Ball security, you could say has been a problem. Ronnie Bell, quite surprised that he coughed up the ball in the goal line there. Uh, luckily, Andrew Anthony scooped it up <laughs> within inches of it becoming a touchback. That was one of the plays of the game. Heck of a play by Anthony jumping on that football. But couldn't agree more with you, Luke. The positive, the silver lining would be there has been an element of Michigan to this point being, I don't want to necessarily say reluctant to have a play-action heavy passing offense, but there's clearly things they wanted to hold back until yeah. later in the game and later on in the season. First time, I believe, this year we really saw an immediate quarterback sweep in a game from McCarthy. So you're starting to see a little bit more wrinkles mixed in, but there's definitely a lot on the plate that hasn't been revealed yet. And uh, we're going to see in a hurry. I do wonder, though, this week what the plan of attack is going to be. What I say, what I – believe is going to happen is they're going to try to work out things they need to improve upon. They're not just going to run 50 times to run 50 times and, you know, just have a smash mouth approach, whatever needs to be corrected, whatever needs to be fine tuned needs to be worked on this week. 
And I expect to see more play action this week. I do expect some more vertical balls from McCarthy. And I also expect a couple more counter runs from the Michigan running back, something that they used to do quite a bit, but not this year. So that's still in the arsenal, and I expect some this week and the week following. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, right? Over the last couple of weeks, I think this is a really good test uh, with Illinois uh, coming to town for Ohio State because, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, it's a much improved Ohio State defense uh, as they rank fifth in SP+. Plus. But this week, uh, they're going to be uh, taking on the number four team in SP+, Plus in Illinois. Uh, and like we mentioned, they, their ability to cover is fantastic. And I think you do start to, to work out some things. And, and another thing is, you know, you, you mentioned kind of silver lining things. We don't know, you know, what what the health status is of Luke Shoemaker uh, or Donovan Edwards, you know, hopefully uh, getting him back. Uh, he's, at the end of the day, he's Michigan's first or second best receiver. Like, like it is what it is. Uh, Ronnie Bell has been super consistent, but in terms of just ability to get open and catch the football, I think Donovan Edwards might be just at the top of the list. Uh, but but a guy like Colson Loveland, you know, getting some more snaps last week, coming up with a couple of big catches in that game uh, against Nebraska, getting him a little more comfortable as a freshman, you know, because they're – what Michigan likes to do, man, is they're a two tight end set team, right? And when Shootmaker's back and you've got him and Loveland, who's a little more, you know, comfortable out there, you get Donovan Edwards back and maybe send him out on some more routes here. I mean, within this week and within next week, there's there's a really good chance that this Michigan team is more dynamic than what we've seen because at the end of the day, they haven't had to do a whole lot different. And, you know, I think Jim Harbaugh was asked about it in the presser, Trevor, uh, about you know, the fact that Michigan runs a football so much, is it hard, you know, for, for the passing offense to get in the rhythm? And Jim Harbaugh kind of said that that was fair. Like, that's a fair thing. But at the end of the day, they're winning games by multiple touchdowns. They're not really going to do anything different because they don't need to yet. Yeah, and maybe that'll remain the same if you think about it last year heading into the Ohio State game. A lot of people said, well, Cade McNamara, he's going to have to have some lights-out game. And Cade did make some good throws in the game that were much needed, but his stat line wasn't crazy. The crazy stat line would be Hassan Haskins rushing for five touchdowns, (laughs) five of Michigan's six touchdowns on that afternoon. So maybe that Michigan's rushing offense is a force that can't be stopped because this offensive line – it looks every bit or better than the offensive line of a season ago that won the Joe Moore award. And as you noted though, the caveat is the Ohio state, their defense has gotten much improved this year. So will Michigan be able to just continue what they've done all year is just run down people's throats. Hopefully JJ has a couple successful throws down the field out of the 20 to 25 attempts he gets, or maybe they're actually stopped by Illinois and their good rush defense and the same with Ohio state. And then the game is on young McCarthy's shoulders and legs. So that's what makes it fun. That's what makes football unpredictable, but in the back of Michigan's head, they know, they know at some point there is a realistic chance that the rushing game is stopped, that they're down in a game. They don't dictate time of possession and they're playing catch up. They need to march down the field. They need the quick hit and plays and time run, time's running out. So I don't know. I do not know what we're going to see the next two weeks, 
but I'm looking forward to it. I think Illinois is a great tune-up game, whatever one you want to call it, a worthy opponent. And then Ohio State, obviously the ultimate opponent. So it's got to be fun. It's fun as a yeah. fan, as a writer, and as a player or coach. And you know what? It's been really fun that the the streak kind of continues going back to the Indiana game. Their last five games in Big Ten play, they've still allowed only three points, Trevor. They're outscoring their opponents 117-3 to three in their last five Big Ten games in the second yeah, half. It's, it's, like, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like the 19 – it's like, they're like the, this is some of the stats, right? It's like the 1927 Yankees, Gehrig and Ruth or something. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute, yet it's reality. Uh, there's been a couple of people I've actually given these stats to, and they that looked at me like I'm some conspiracy theorist. It's like, <laughs> no, this is this is real. This is real data. You can you can verify it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm with you, dude. I, I almost didn't believe it. I thought... So when I saw it, I, I think, what was it? Maybe, I think it was maybe after the Michigan State game. Uh, for sure, I saw the 100-3 to against Rutgers, but I knew about the stat after the Michigan State game and what it was at that point. But it almost doesn't seem real, right? That that Michigan is outscoring their opponents in the second half, 117-3 to in their last five games. That Like, that is dominance. It, we look at last year very fondly, right? And rightfully so. It's a Big Ten championship. Uh, beat Ohio State. But you go back to last year, Michigan didn't really dominate down that stretch, right? Like, they sweated it out. They found a way to win in Lincoln at Nebraska. They, you know, they they found a way um, to, to win against Penn State when they were down in the fourth quarter. They kind of held on uh, against Rutgers last year. This year, I mean... This is domination that we haven't seen in quite some time. I mean, maybe, you know, like 2016, uh, when, when they were dominating teams until that trip to Kinnick in Iowa. But this is even more so, like, this is Georgia level of domination over the last five games from that team last year. And I'm not saying Michigan this year is Georgia last year. That's not what I'm saying. But the level of domination, albeit the Big Ten's a little bit down this year, uh, but but it's it's domination that we're honestly, as Michigan fans, just not really used to seeing. Yeah, and yeah, 100%. And we're really going to find out against Ohio State. And this is just, we've been saying this for a couple weeks now, but if they're able to continue to have this output, then yeah, the Georgia comparison would certainly be warranted. And 
just looking at what Michigan's been able to accomplish this year without Aiden Hutchinson, without David Ojabo, and some were even concerned with Josh, Josh Ross's departure and Brad Hawkins, all these veterans out the door. Well, this has been just a really stout unit from top to bottom from a leadership perspective, whether it's Mike Sainer still, whether it's Matthew Smith, whether it's Mike Morris, whether it's uh, Junior Colson, Rod Moore. There's so many leaders on this team. And then the pass rush, the rotational pass rush, the defensive line that now has veteran presence like Mozzie Smith and Chris Jenkins, and then a freshman standout, a freak show, like somebody like Mason Graham. It's just there are playmakers all over the place on Michigan's defense. Mm -hmm. So will they be able to stop Stroud, the Heisman front runner right now, and Marvin Harrison Jr., and the bevy of talented options on the Buckeyes offense? Well, all I got to say is if they do so, this is one hell of an elite and we can say historic Michigan defense. But well, like I think, it usually is, everything hinges on that damn game. <laughs> but and, and take a look at something as well here. And, and I think it, it's kind of been swept under the rug almost because of how badly Michigan beat them. But let's take a look at the real quick, just at like Penn State, right? Since that game. They went out and they beat Minnesota 45-17 following the, the loss to Michigan. They were leading Ohio State in the fourth quarter in Happy Valley. And then they won in Bloomington against Indiana 45-14 and dominated Maryland 30 to nothing last week. Like, that win, in as dominating as Michigan was against Penn State, and it, it looked like Penn State didn't even belong on the same field with Michigan. That win is one of the best wins overall probably in the country from any team, given how they handled that game legitimately. Maybe Georgia against Tennessee, but my God, Penn State, they're a legit top 10 team. And unfortunately, they're probably not going to be recognized as one because they lost to the number two and number three teams. And, you know, they lost to another number three team, 41 to 17, and got ran out of the building. Yeah, and that is a good comparison to make, especially factoring in the trajectory of Penn State season and Ohio State does this crap all the time too and their fans and they're kind of spinning yarn at this point where it's not making sense some of their comparisons all I would have to say to them back is how did you do against Northwestern but uh, Penn State they left Ohio State off the hook too not only did it look good for them they shot themselves in the foot which seems to become commonplace for James Franklin so I don't know how to quantify that as it pertains to if Michigan's better than Ohio State or Ohio State's better than Michigan because you, you throw in the emotions and the playoff Super Bowl type atmosphere right, of the right. game and throw everything out the window. But it doesn't mean uh, nothing, right? So I'd say that about the Penn State game. I'd also say that about the Northwestern game in which Northwestern was running the ball for a while there, especially in the first half, down the throat of the Buckeyes to where they were outmanning and outmuscling them from a physicality perspective. And we already know Michigan's a very physical team. So I do question still how tough of a defense Ohio State is from a physicality standpoint. Now, of course, Josh Gaddis was the one, Michigan's former offense coordinator, that called Ohio State a finesse team. So I don't want to go that far. But um, if put it this way, though. If it does indeed happen where Michigan dominates on both sides of the trenches again this season, 
well, then I think the finesse team thing would be warranted. But that, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say that. Not going to say that just yet. Yeah, no. And, you know, again, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, which is crazy to think about. We're going to be talking Michigan-Ohio State, you know, one week uh, from today. Uh, but, but just more so, I think the Penn State game to me, and that's a game Michigan obviously was looking forward to. And, you know, th- there's a couple of games every year on the schedule where right now Michigan's just kind of going through the grind, right? Like, they knew that they were going to beat Nebraska, but it's getting yourself prepared and getting yourself to to get out and go do it. And obviously some mistakes, it wasn't a flawless performance, but when when Michigan has come out in a couple of games here this year, I think of the Iowa game and that's a, that's pretty good win when you go and look at it, the way Michigan was able to win uh, outside of a, you know, a garbage time touchdown that I will put in with like 15 seconds to go, you know, leading that one 27 to seven, just going down on that opening drive and scoring the Penn state game. And then Michigan state where unfortunately couldn't put, you know, a bunch of points on the board with touchdowns, but ultimately uh, was able to move the football quite easily uh, against Michigan state. When Michigan comes out ready to go and fired up for a game, you know, and again, Penn State sticks out to me. They're going to be a tough team to beat, and I think you can take something from that game, and I think it's also uh, similar this year in this game prior to Ohio State. Now, Illinois, you know, you, you think preseason, oh, it's a nice little tune-up game for Ohio State. It's anything but that with the defense that they play, but I go back to last year in that Maryland game, right, and we talked about it, and, I, you know, we mentioned it here on Brewcast. You may have wrote, uh, written about it or anything, Trevor, but we kind of saw that as like a, a baby Ohio State offense that Michigan was going to be getting ready for, right, uh, in the sense that you had Talia, you had some weapons out there in the style of offense that they ran, and Michigan went out and dominated. I think it's it's the flip, or it's the same thing, but on the other side of the football here this week, I think Illinois the week before Ohio State is going to be a good test for in a good warm-up for in the Ohio State defense who under Jim Knowles is playing with a completely different mentality. They're probably going to man you up in that game in Columbus just like Illinois is. And, you know, are, can you run if you can run the football in Illinois, there's a good chance you can run the football in Ohio State. So I think there we actually, you know, looking forward to this game. I think we can get some takeaways uh, coming out of this Saturday at the Big House. I agree. Illinois, you could say before the season, this would come as a surprise that they've had this good of a year. Uh, I'm not going to say the wheels are falling off, but they've lost a couple in a row now. So not as much intrigue nationally, you could say, uh, than there would have been. But just as far as Big Ten fans and things of that ilk, this is this is a fun one. And yeah, the what did you say there? Illinois was fifth or Fourth and SP plus defensively. Yeah, and so that's that shows the caliber of the defense in which Illinois has. And then offensively, though, it's still a good enough test if Chase Brown plays, Tommy DeVito, mm-hmm. he is an active enough quarterback and presents somewhat of a threat. Well, hey, that, that's a good that's a good point, Trevor. Because I mean, you think about it. You you think in Nebraska last week, uh, be before uh, Purdy went down, he had five carries for thirty nine yards on Michigan's defense. I think uh, uh, Devito's gonna prevent a bit or present a bit of a challenge for Michigan on that front as a mobile quarterback. Yeah, he has four touchdowns on the season. Definitely functional mobility, the type that you may not necessarily expect a thirty yard run, but enough time to buy time for himself to escape pressure, get out of the pocket and deliver an accurate strike down the field. He's got a 70% completion percentage on the year, 15 touchdowns, 
only three interceptions. So DeVito is somebody who hasn't been uh, reckless with the football and neither is CJ Stroud. So I, I, I find the Illinois offense to present a challenge and a good tune up for the Michigan defense heading into Ohio state. It's definitely a competent offense. It's not what we saw a week ago from Nebraska dysfunction all over the place. This is more close to a fine-tuned machine that the fighting line I have had this year and credit to them and co- head coach Brett Bielema for turning this program around because there are some, some certainly dark days. So they'll take this 7-3 start to the season. I totally expect them to lose on Saturday, but it would not surprise me if this Illinois team has their moments or perhaps even a quarter or two where it is highly competitive and the score is in doubt. Hey, I want to let you know about a great opportunity here to save some money and get some great products because support for Brewcast is brought to you by Manscaped. And the Platinum Package 4.0 has everything you need. You can align your entire hygiene routine all in one swoop. You get everything you know and love from the Performance Package plus some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game. Uh, To Platinum, you got the Lawnmower 4.0 Body Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer, um, the Advanced Skin Safe Technology to protect the delicate parts, uh, both waterproof so you can keep scaping even as the weather's changing as we head into winter you get the body wash and ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner uh you got the deodorant get yourself all of that for 20 percent off and free shipping all you have to do is head to manscaped.com for that 20 percent off and free shipping and insert promo code mnb20 that's mnb20 at manscaped.com for free shipping and 20% off. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. So as we wrap things up, Trevor, uh, very much looking forward to another great Saturday at the Big House. And uh, I know you'll be there, probably be tweeting a little bit. Where can we find you on social media, man? Find me on that Twitter, at Woods Football. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Make sure to follow the Maze of Brew Twitter page as well. And subscribe, rate, and leave a review uh, for all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. We do appreciate the feedback and uh, appreciate you listening here as we hit this final stretch of the college football regular season. For my partner, Trevor Woods, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week on Brewcast.